0: Al Jazeera podcast.
1: Several nations are calling Israel's war on Gaza a genocide. An Israeli minister calls for a nuclear attack, and the prime minister quotes the Bible, referring to war wiping out enemies of Israel. Is Israel engaged in a genocide? And if so, what can be done? I'm Nick Clark, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. <music> All right, let's bring in our guests. In Canterbury, in the United Kingdom, we have Geoffrey Nice, barrister and former war crimes prosecutor He was also the lead prosecutor in the genocide and war crimes trial of former Serbian President Slobodan Milosevic. In Washington, D.C., is Omar Bader, political analyst and member of the National Policy Council of the Arab American Institute. And in Ramallah, Mustafa Barghouti, Secretary-General of the Palestinian National Initiative. Uh, Gentlemen, a warm welcome to you all. And, Mustafa, I'd like to start with you. We've got a very high bar, of course, set for defining genocide, which we will come to in a moment with our former international prosecutor, Jeffrey Nice. Uh, But first, Israel say that they are targeting Hamas, not civilians, and they accuse Mustafa, Hamas, of using civilians as human shields, and they would absolutely and resolutely deny genocidal Intent. So is it, Mustafa, an accusation that can be laid at their
2: door? Well, according to 1091 definition of international law, uh, I, I will read for you. Genocide is violent attacks with the specific intent to destroy in whole or part of a national, ethnic, racial or religious group. That's exactly what Israel is doing in Gaza. They're not attacking Hamas alone. They're attacking all the Palestinian population of Gaza. You are talking about 2.3 million people isolated in an area that has been under siege for 17 years by Israel, uh, in the most densely populated area of the world, which uh, size is less than 100 squared miles, actually, not, only, not 140, because Israel has established, I know... Uh, a security zone around Gaza by 25 which takes away with 25% of the size of Gaza so you are talking about the most densely populated area in the world and they're bombarding it with airstrikes where people have nothing to defend themselves with against these airstrikes they're bombarding with artillery and they're bombarding with tanks and the result the result is more than 10,000 people killed so far and about 6,000 children, 6,000 children.
3: Of course, 4, Mustafa, in, in this, and,
2: as, you
1: know, as you know, Israel evokes self-defence and, and say that Hamas is using the civilians as human shields. I mean, that's their argument.
2: I don't see Hamas using people as human shields. I saw on the TV Hamas fighters attacking Israeli tanks, and the soldiers are hiding in the tanks. That's what we've seen. We didn't see them hiding behind the people in hospitals. It's not true. It's a big lie, one of the so many lies that Netanyahu tells and his establishment tell, just to justify this terrible bombardment of Gaza, this act not only of genocide, but also of collective punishment against 2.3 million people, depriving them of water, of electricity, of oxygen for hospitals, of food, of everything. And in addition to that, they are conducting ethnic cleansing. 1.4 million people have already been evicted, and Netanyahu did not hide his intentions. He said that everybody should evict their home in Gaza. Where to? To the sea or to Egypt? This is ethnic cleansing, besides the genocide that is conducted. Actually, he's putting people in Gaza in front of one of two choices, either genocide or complete ethnic cleansing.
1: Okay, we'll come on to all of that. Uh, Omar, this concept of genocide, is that angle getting much airplay over the Atlantic in the United States, where you are?
0: Yeah, it's certainly a a growing understanding, but not from the political class or from the White House. Uh, We have essentially blinders here in Congress and, and this administration, in which basically they're gaslighting the audience in contrast to what Israeli leaders themselves are saying. Now, I believe that Israeli leaders might pretend that the word genocide does not apply, but in terms of describing what they're doing, they have not been coy at all about the fact that their intent is to starve the entire population of Gaza, denying them water and food and electricity and, and, and so on, and saying that their bombing campaigns, they don't care much about accuracy, they just want to cause as much damage as possible. And we are seeing the results. So they are describing genocidal intent without using the word genocide, and this is, rhetoric about human shields and whatnot is quite rich coming from a country, in the case of Israel, that, as a matter of policy, was using Palestinian children as human shields in multiple military raids throughout the Second Intifada, until the Israeli Supreme Court decided to ban that practice. They are the only party in in this—in the so-called conflict that have been documented to use Palestinian civilians as human shields. And in the case of Gaza. There is no question that their bombing is indiscriminate. It's been documented by every major human rights organization in the world. And it's basically been documented by the confessions of Israeli soldiers through a group called Breaking the Silence, describing the fact that they have targeted Palestinians indiscriminately without caring whether they're okay. civilians or militants. So this entire narrative is, is, is simply nonsense.
1: All right. Let, let's get to the nitty gritty then. Jeffrey Nice, uh, you're the legal expert Uh Let's get the legal definition. What constitutes genocide? What are the parameters of genocide?
3: So the definition of genocide is certain acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnic, ra- racial or religious group as such. It sounds quite simple and it is quite simple. It means if you have an intention To destroy a group simply because of whom they are and if with that intention you have certain you perform commit certain acts one of which is killing but there are four others then you may have committed genocide and as your first contributor correctly and accurately said effectively you have to look for the mental state of the person who is alleged to have committed the crime is that person acting because he wishes to destroy the group uh, as such, simply because of whom they are. Simply in this case, it would be said, because they are Palestinians. Now, obviously, evidence about that comes in different ways. It can come from the mouth of the person accused of being a genocidaire. It can come from publicity that she or he generates. It can come from the actions performed There are many ways in which it can be performed, and usually people committing genocide um, are very cautious to not to leave it too obvious what their mental process is. But it remains quite difficult to prove a mental process of an offender, and that's why it's perhaps not too helpful for us to get too fixed on the concept of genocide. Acts that may be proved to be crimes can be quite as serious as crimes, if they're crimes against humanity, mm-hmm. as if they can be labeled technically by the lawyers and judges in due course as genocide. And so personally, I'm not going to express an opinion about whether something is or maybe genocide, but you can see on both sides of this um, truly dreadful, um, tragic, awful conflict, you can see things done and things said that may well be argued on the basis of different types of evidence to be genocide. OK, so, so I what, what types... I know, I know,
1: it's very helpful. I, I know you can't come to a judgement here about whether or not we're talking about genocide, but in this case, what kind of evidence, Jeffrey, would need to be collected to determine whether or not uh, there was genocide potentially taking place as far as Gaza's concerned? What kind of evidence?
3: Obviously, the statements of the leaders... And statements of other people in the chain of command. Because although people talk when they talk of the difficulty of proving crimes, of there needing to be uh, evidence of the chain of command from top to bottom, the reality is in a state like Israel and probably in an organization like Hamas, that people down the chain of command are nearly always going to do what they're told because the consequences of not doing that are too horrible for them as individuals. So you have to be sure of. You, you can count on what is said probably at any level of the chain of command and trace it back upwards or, chase it, or trace it back downwards. You also look for patterns of events. Are these things being done, as was being said by Israel, uh, for a proper military objective? Or do we see that just simply by looking at what happens, there may be a different purpose to be properly inferred from what was done? If so, does that inferred fact, uh, help us with the state of mind of what lay behind it, and, and so on. So that's the sort of range of material okay. you look for.
1: Yeah, yeah. you're talking about the statements of leaders. Uh, Mustafa, I'm wondering, you know, this, this business of the words that people say, and, and there have been plenty of words said by the Israeli leadership, the language and, and how that might fit into the framing of any particular prosecution. I'm going to play something in a second, but not just, just at this moment. But First of all, I just want to say these words from uh, the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, who said there are no innocent civilians in Gaza, Mustafa. It is an entire nation out there that is responsible. We heard it a little bit earlier. I mean, it's that's not the only thing that we've heard. We've heard an awful lot of that kind of stuff, haven't we?
2: That's not the only statement. You can also see the statement of Eliyahu, who is the minister of... Uh... Uh, heritage in Israel, who said that a nuclear bomb should be thrown on Gaza and uh, to kill everybody. And uh, he said that, after that, Israel can go back to Gaza and uh, resettle there. Uh, But uh, let's talk about the issue of intent. I mean, you don't need, really, Netanyahu, to come out and say, I intentionally want to commit genocide. No, no dictator has ever done that, or no criminal has ever said that. But what did he say? He and his, his spokesperson of the army said that every Palestinian in Gaza must evict their home and go to Egypt. And then their military leaders were saying that people have to move from the north to the south or because in the north there will be no safe place. OK. And, then and they Duff, continue
1: to there was move one back. other thing. One second. There's just one other thing that, that he did say that we actually have a clip of. And let me just play that and we'll come back to you. Please.
0: You must remember what Amalek
3: has done to you, says our Holy Bible, and we do remember, and we are fighting. Our brave troops and combatants who are now in Gaza or around Gaza and in all other regions in Israel are joining this chain of Jewish heroes, a chain that started 3,000 years ago, from Joshua Ben Nun until the heroes of 1948, the Six-Day War, the October 73 war, and all other wars in this country.
1: So, Mustafa, Benjamin Netanyahu evoking the Amalek, which is an ancient biblical Israeli enemy, evoking 3,000-year-old history as part of his justification for the killing today. How does that kind of comment sit, do you feel?
2: It's very simple. He's is uh, promoting the same ideology and the same text that speaks about committing total genocide of the other people, the Palestinians. It is so clear. I mean, if you—I I don't have the text in front of me now—but it is very clear what he's saying. But uh, add to that, add to that, what what they are doing—they uh, are saying this area should it should be immediately evicted and nobody should be there. And they know that people cannot leave because they are bombarding everywhere and they are bombarding on the road and they are bombarding in the south and they're bombarding in the north everywhere. And they bombard even hospitals. And they bombard around the hospitals. And they, the scenes of children being killed are everywhere in the world, and I'm sure they see it. But yet they continue. Look, the amount of the amount of bombs that were used on Gaza so far exceeds 26,000 tons of TNT. That is much bigger than the nuclear bomb that was thrown in Hiroshima. In, in, during the Second World War. It, 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 and is that not enough to, to show what they are doing? Look, we are talking here not only about genocide. We're talking about massacres after massacres after massacres. We are talking also about the fact that they are not only doing ethnic cleansing and genocide and collective punishment, but actually, they are repeating these crimes against humanity one day after the other. So. If, uh, if genocide is not proven, according to some people, crimes against humanity are acceptable or massacres are acceptable or collective punishment, which is very well right. proven, is acceptable. All of that are war crimes that should not be permitted and should not be allowed. But I do insist on what I said before. This is also an act of genocide, according to the wording of international law.
1: OK. Uh- so, Omar, from your point of view, I guess when you hear Benjamin Netanyahu say things like that evoking 3,000-year-old history as justification, do you think he actually believes that or he's saying it for effect for a particular audience? and Maybe that could well be the evangelical audience of the United States.
0: When when Netanyahu invokes these kind of biblical verses, he's absolutely doing it to provide cover for the unspeakable atrocities that he is currently committing. He's referencing Bible verses that talk about killing every man, woman, child, animal, and tree. Um, and, and when you're looking at what's effectively happening in Gaza, we are witnessing the utter and complete destruction of a people's ability to actually survive. You know, they cut off water. That wasn't bad enough. They started bombing water tanks inside of Gaza to make sure people can't get water. They have cut off food. That wasn't good enough. They started bombing fisheries to make sure that people can't uh, find any kind of uh, subsistence for themselves. We are destroying the ability of people to survive in Gaza under current Israeli bombardment, and it is utterly unacceptable. You look at the sheer hypocrisy that we have right now from the United States and from the West when Russia killed 500 Ukrainian children in one year of attacking Ukraine. Everybody was going on about how that was an, an, an unacceptable war crime and, and, and a massacre and, and this and that. And you have Israel right now killing more than a thousand Palestinian children per week, more than a hundred times more the rate that Israel was killing children in Ukraine. And yet you have people describing this as self-defense and and, and and normalizing it to a degree that that is utterly shocking. We are witnessing the utter destruction of people who are living in Gaza, all of Gaza City. There's not a building at this point um, that, that still stands. This is—whether you want to use the word genocide or not, to me, the quibbling over that becomes secondary to the fact that you are witnessing the destruction of a people. And every person of conscience who is not doing absolutely everything they can right now to intervene and stop it is is exhibiting a moral failure. We are talking about a situation in which history will judge us right now for saying, what, where were you when this was happening and what have you done? And watching the United States provide cover for these kinds of atrocities while at the same time claiming to be an administration that cares about human rights and democracy and what have you. The hypocrisy is just unbearable, and it's time for
1: this to be called out. That is a familiar refrain, isn't it? Why did we stand back and do nothing? Uh, Jeffrey, how does what is going on in Gaza fit into the parameters of what's gone on before with modern era genocides like Darfur or Rwanda or even uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina?
3: It fits, possibly, if it is genocide, in the in, by, by consideration of the sorts of um, evidence that may be available, but I wanted to mm-hmm. one other, add one other category of evidence that may be helpful. Experts can... Experts, that's not lawyers. That's experts on genocide, can often enough, and we use this in the Milosevic case, look at one series of events that is an accepted genocide and read across from the evidence in another circumstance the sort of categories of evidence you've got here and say one way or another whether that's genocide as well and that's quite a helpful and very objective way to look at it so you may want to get some of those experts onto your program Mm -hmm. it fits in the most horrible way because it is if it is genocide because it is said to be the intentional destruction of part of humanity and one of the rules we may think that all religions as well as those with no religious belief believe should apply is that humanity is single and no part of humanity should ever think of having the right to or going about trying to eliminate any other part of humanity. I would like to add just a couple of other points before you perhaps finish with me. One is that the reason for perhaps being cautious in the way we use labels about what's going on is because it might further excite an already dreadful situation into people holding views stronger on either side, when I guess if you were to take the regular citizen from anywhere around the world who's neither an expert nor a specialist and say, what would you like to see happen? And they would like both sides to hold up placards saying, stop, stop and go to the conference table. Stop and have an international conference of all the interested parties with no holds barred, except that you can use no violence, and say, stay around that table until all is agreed. And the final point I want to make at this stage, if you will permit me, is that one of the advantages and problems of the term genocide and governments is that if a government says genocide has happened, then it has. it, it is obliged, if it's ratified the convention under Article 1, to take steps. So governments almost never say genocide has happened. The only exception is that uh, America did it in respect of uh, U- Ukraine and Russia, but it never spelt out exactly on what basis it found a genocide to have been approved. Uh, right. Sorry, sorry, in respect of uh, sorry, in respect of um, the Uyghurs, I think yes. But also, it is possible for countries that have the courage to take Israel to the International Court of Justice um where on a different basis genocide can be dealt with but we know from the past that Israel has always been extremely reluctant to uh comply with orders of the International Court of Justice about either the wall or indeed about okay. um the, the, about the Pal- settlements. It was in respect of the Uyghurs that... the, yeah, the, yeah, the sure, sure. All right, st- Jeffrey, we're going to move
1: on, but I appreciate that that context. Fantastic. Uh, Mustafa, but what Jeffrey is saying is interesting, isn't it? Because the situation in Palestine has long been on the books of the International Criminal Court, long before the, the recent violence in and around Gaza, and the process of law has not helped the people of Gaza up until now, so why should it in the future, do you think?
2: Well, because the issue is political, and uh, I hold every government in this world, including the government of Britain and the United States of America, responsible for allowing Israel to continue these war crimes. Any country today, any government, in the West or, if, or in any other place, who do not support immediate ceasefire, immediate ceasefire, immediate stop of these massacres, will be considered as participant and and complicit... With the war crimes that are happening against the Palestinian people. And it is very important to understand the concept of genocide and the violation of international law to to understand the general context. First of all, Israel has been allowed, since it was established, to be above international law and to be impunitive to international law, with the protection of the United States in particular, but also many other Western governments. The second point is that the people of Gaza, who are they? 70% of the people of Gaza are refugees who have been ethnically cleansed by Israel in 1948 through acts of massacres or genocide, if you want to call it so. 52 massacres were committed then in 1948, and 520 Palestinian communities were erased to the ground, and people were forced to become refugees. And now they're coming after these refugees, not only putting them under siege for 17 years, but conducting sex wars on them. And then declaring bluntly that they have—they want to ethnically cleanse them out of Gaza. What more proofs do you need? I mean, it's so clear. It is so well said. It It is the Israeli treatment, as they say, the final treatment, as they call it, by some of their officials, of the population of Gaza Because this is the Israeli solution to the demographic problem, because Palestinians today on the land of historic Palestine are equal, if not a little bit more, than the Jewish people. And they want this land to be Jewish only. And that is the basis of racism that feeds genocide, collective punishment, and all the kinds of massacres and crimes committed in Palestine.
1: Okay, Mustafa, we'll leave it there. Omar, I want to end with you, Omar Bada. uh, I just want to end with this, the United Nations and and the global structures that were put in place to try and prevent precisely this kind of thing from happening. Uh, We had the director of the New York Office of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Craig Mokhiba, resigning, saying that the UN is failing in its duty to prevent what he categorises as genocide of Palestinian civilians in Gaza. He said this is a textbook case of genocide and the organization we serve appears powerless to stop it. And this is a thing. The global structures have failed, haven't they?
0: They absolutely have, and in part because of the United States, which used its veto at the UN more than 50 times to shield Israel from accountability. We have a handicapped international order that is not allowed to intervene against the crimes of the powerful, and can they only can intervene when a weak party commits a crime, and that's when they can actually activate and hold people accountable. This is an entirely tilted situation, and you have a delusion right now of Israel insisting on the path of nothing but violence and pummeling Palestinians, thinking they can pummel them into submission to the point to where they no longer want to have human rights or land to live on or dignity or freedom. But this has failed decade after decade after decade, and it is set to fail. And the only solution is going to be out of this is when Israel starts recognizing Palestinians as full human beings who are deserving of the same freedom and dignity and human rights that Israelis enjoy. And that will be the only path for a better future. And as long as the United States insists on uh, on, on, patronizing—on being a patron for Israel as it commits these unspeakable atrocities, the U.S. is going to be complicit in a future in which Palestinians and Israelis are not going to be safe, because this is— a recipe for more and more bloodshed and violence until we finally start uh, reconfiguring the way that we look at this entire situation and understand that Palestinian freedom and justice for
1: Palestinians is a prerequisite for peace. Gentlemen, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, thank you to all, to Jeffrey Nice, Omar Bader, and Mustafa Bagouti. Thank you very much. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Alexandra Byers, Fungin Gwyn, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Yara Atala, and the program was edited by Vinish Belilath, Zainabada and Joe DeFriis. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next edition.
0: On this episode of The Take, we take you through Gaza's long past stretching back centuries so we can
2: understand its present. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.